Hey there, Steve from the Fleet Success Show. Wanted to take a second and invite you to attend the Fleet Success Summit, a one-of-a-kind two-day event designed specifically to arm today's fleets with what they need to succeed. We're bringing some of the best speakers from business, technology, leadership, and organization culture to the stage to share with you information that we believe has been withheld from Fleet far too long. If you enjoy this podcast, you're sure to enjoy the Fleet Success Summit. Head to fleetsuccesssummit.com to view our speaker lineup and grab your tickets today. All right, back to the show. Welcome to the Fleet Success Show, a podcast dedicated to talking about the fundamentals, standards, and best practices that empower today's fleets to achieve fleet success. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Fleet Success Show. I'm Jeff Jenkins, and we're going to do something unique today. I'll be your host, even though I do have Josh Turley here. Hello, hello, hello. But not only that, we have a very special guest. We have Josh Turley's boss here as well. Angelie Turley, great to have you. Hey, great to be here. This is exciting. I think this is, is this our first female guest on the show as well? Wow, that's really sad if that's true. I'm really sorry, everybody. I, I think that's true, but it's exciting. I mean, it, it it did take us 40-something episodes to get here and to get a woman, but... I'm we, committing to do better. Thank you. I just, yeah. But... An indictment. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Listen, I didn't mean it for it to go this way. <laughs> but today's topic, I think, is going to be very fun. It's going to be something different. Um, we're going to talk about family, and we're going to, you know, we've kind of got this unique dynamic here at RTA where Angelie owns the company, Josh owns the company, husband and wife. And, um, yeah, and they do a good job. How's that? So we want to go back. So Angela, you met Josh when he was already working at RTA, right? Yes. So, and how many years ago was that? How many Ooh. years ago was that? On the spot. I don't know. We've been married for 13. So be 14 probably 15 years. So you've, you've known each other for 15, 15 years. years. Okay. Yep. And he was already working here. Yep. Correct. Okay. So back then, long time ago, see if you can remember this, were there aspirations from Josh of one day owning the company? Yes. There were. One day owning and correcting, <laughs> improving, I should say. Okay. So that was there. And that, that was the plan, the, basically a game plan the whole time is that eventually Josh would take over or buy the company or something, right? Yes. Okay. So from your perspective, what do you think about all that? Like think about you guys own a company that supports a lot of different people, a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of customers depend on us. I mean, do you ever sit back and think of what kind of a responsibility that is? No. Actually, I think about it all the time. Okay, so. I was going to switch to you about next. It all the time. So Josh, so I was actually going to go to you next. I don't. You don't think about it. I that. don't. I trust Josh to do a great job in taking care of those, all those needs, but he thinks about it a lot. How often? How often do I think about it? Yeah. Oh, it's multiple times a day and multiple times a night. Yeah, that, I'm not on anxiety medicine for nothing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's be honest here. It's always an interesting day when you're uh, you're running a company. It's, uh, the responsibility is definitely very heavy. It, it is very heavy. So uh, 
I need to do a better job of relieving some of that from you, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I, I see where this is going, right? Right. Uh, but as someone who's run a company, right, I can relate to that aspect because you do constantly think about the people that you're trying to support. And if something goes wrong, right, people don't have jobs, there's no incomes. Uh, back when I was doing it, it was trucking. So do we have enough freight? Can we keep our drivers moving? Are we being safe? So there's definitely a lot of that goes in there. So prior then, prior to this, did you know anything about fleet, Angeli? Prior to my marriage? Prior to Josh. No. Nothing no. about fleet. She's probably like a lot car. of people didn't even know this was an industry. Like, oh, that's a right. thing. Right. No, I didn't. I drove a car and I took it to the mechanic. That's no, I didn't even do that. I gave it to my dad. Let's, let's so. be honest. <laughs> I didn't know anything. That, that car broke down an awful lot to be going to the mechanic. Was this the 96 Dodge Neon? Or no. was it a different car? It's probably the Acura. It was the Acura with a broken handle. And so you couldn't get into the car. The black Acura? Yeah. Yeah. The one that I gave? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, so it was a 1998 Acura Integra. Oh. Which should have I, been a very fun car. Right. And but I actually it, enjoyed driving it, but it was in was it some serious... It was manual. Love. Yeah, 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 it, it was, was manual. manual. And I had to learn how to drive a manual, and that was really hard to begin with. But you did it. I did do it. Because you can do anything. I did do it. Nice. How, how did you learn how to drive a manual? I'm just curious. Uh, Who taught you? My brother-in-law in a parking lot. Vaughn, oh. my brother-in-law. Oh. In a parking lot. Okay. He only yelled a few times. How many times did you stall, though? Um, Every time he yelled? <laughs> yeah. It was really only like three times when I first started driving that I stalled it, though. It was I learned it pretty quick. Do you know how I learned to drive a stick? You stole it? I did. I would stole <laughs> Grandpa's car. <laughs> and, and, like, if I knew they were going out, like, on date night, because, like, my grandparents and my parents, they used to, like, and all the siblings, they'd go out and do these, like, family date nights. And if I knew they were gone, I would actually go to their house and I would grab his keys for his Honda Civic, which was a manual. And I would take it and I'd drive it all the way out to Lake Pleasant and then drive it back just to practice driving a stick. What? Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's a little interesting thing for you, huh? Huh. Your brother's a criminal. You didn't know that. I knew you were a criminal, but did you break it? No. Did... Nope. No issues at all with it. Never wrecked it. Never nothing. Huh. Yeah. Did anyway. Mom know? That's enough about me. This episode's about <laughs> like you guys more than anything else. So give us a little, give us a little, hey, tell us about the Turley household. So kids, ages, I mean, kind of give us a little rundown. Okay. Uh, we've got eight kids. The oldest is 12 and the youngest is one. Rapidly approaching two. Yeah. Rapidly approaching two. Acts like a two-year-old. And they're, so there's eight kids all squashed together in there and we are currently homeschooling. So that has been a new adventure. Nice. So. We've been doing that for a little over 18 years? months. Yeah. Maybe two years. Two it's years. been two years. Yeah. Jeez. COVID. <laughs> we started prior to COVID. Yep. So. Um, like I feel like we have to qualify that. COVID. Yeah. So we started that... just before COVID by choice, not because of COVID. Um. But yeah, so things are wild and crazy. There's a lot of excitement and energy. In I thought home. you were going to say excrement because there's a lot of that too. <laughs> just, I'm sure there's a lot of every E word. There's, And then Josh decided to bring in two puppies. Yep. So that was super exciting. Wait, hold puppies, on. Two bunnies, two cats. Josh brought in all the animals? Not You didn't have any say in that at all? I agreed to one bunny. And then I agreed to second bunny. 
But in order to get the second bunny, she had to buy a third bunny. And kill it? So, so she got all three bunnies, and then, yes, they, one they killed away. off one. Well, so it was very fortunate for her. I didn't hmm. kill off the bunny. Our child scared it to death. Literally scared like, it to death. Like, is that a real Screaming thing? in its face, like, ah! And it just had a stroke and died or something? Yeah, it did. Had a yeah. heart attack. Holy it was crap, all right. the weirdest thing. I've never seen an animal have a heart attack before, but that's what happens when you put a five-year-old, I guess, with a bunny. It was T. Now Peta's going to get involved. It actually was Penny. Uh, she was scaring. I gotcha. She was scaring Theodore. So, yeah. And it was Penny's bunny. It was Penny's she bunny. She killed her own bunny. She still has guilt. <laughs> there's like, there's trauma that we're going to have to work through as an adult, I think. Uh, I'll pay for therapy. Right? <laughs> okay. So, you have eight kids. Um, and Josh obviously comes to work every single day. So, he's yeah. here managing the 50 kids he's got in, in this place, right, mm-hmm. that work for him. You've got the eight at home, so let's talk about time management a little bit, which we can relate to our fleets and the people that run them. How do you manage eight kids that have to be certain places, especially when you're homeschooling and you can't ship them off to other people? Um, that is a great question. Um, I keep a very structured schedule in that I have my calendar on my phone, which is uh coordinated with Josh's calendar so I can see his work schedule and our home family schedule. And then I also have my planner where I write in all of my to-dos and all of my kids. So if you look at my Google calendar, it has like 15 different color coordination for Mm -hmm. all the different people and things. So I plan to leave early, which means I leave just on time to make it where I need to be on time. So you're very structured and very organized. Yes. Yes. Organization is my friend. Okay. Well, it, it kind of have to be. Yeah. Right? So, Josh, how do you balance working here and then also helping with the kids? Well, I think that's one of the things that we actually struggled with for a long time in our relationship was because it was such a, you know, like there's a lot of time that you have to put into a place like this. You know, you're, you're putting a lot of energy and soul into it. Um, getting home on time was always a struggle. You know, there was many nights where I'd get home at 6 or 7. Kids are usually going to bed by 6.30, 7.30. And so there wasn't a lot of help that she was getting at home. Um, it's only been really recently, I think, you know, we brought on an assistant to kind of help make things more organized around here. And just organized at home. I'm the opposite of that. So I'm a little bit more loosey, goosey, and, and free um, but bringing in somebody like that, like it's actually helped one of her number one priorities. You know, we talk about OKRs and, you know, like your, your objectives for your job and for the assistant, like her number one objective outside of everything else is to get me out the door at four so that I can be home from four to at least seven when the kids go to bed. And then after that, I can go back to working again. But it's it's almost sacrosanct. She will come and she'll just stand there at my door and wait for me and like put this pressure on me that I have to leave. Uh, so for a long time, balancing the two was you know difficult. We talk about work-life balance. Um, you know, one of the things I always talk about is the work-life cycle and how things that happen at home influence what happens at work and what happens at work influences what happens at home. And there's not really a trade-off. It's just how does one influence the other? You know, and, and for a while, like it was definitely more heavy on the work side where we were work was definitely influencing more of our schedule than anything else. Um, but now we get home and it's, you know, it's fairly, you know, we spend some time with the kids. Uh, they're usually done with school by the time I get home. 
Uh, you know, so we find out what's going on with their days. They're usually out playing in the backyard, and so we'll go play for a little bit. But uh, that's kind of how I do things. Yeah. So you touched on, you know, a little bit about how the number one priority with having the assistant come in was to get you out the door so that you could spend time and have that balance. And you're a very big proponent of that here. Yep. Um, making interesting. Sure- I think this happens a lot. I'm cutting you off. That's right. Hopefully you'll remember your point when we come back to it. Um, It's interesting that as much as I push on our team, like, hey, go spend time with your family, go, you know, like the doors shut at five, you know, like there's no pressure for you to be here longer than you need to be. Uh, But you and I know, like, you know, usually come around five o'clock, there was definitely nights where six, seven, it was just you and I in the building. Some nights, eight, eight p.m., um, you know, where we weren't following that same, you know, that same advice for ourselves. And it, I just think that's interesting that as leaders, sometimes it happens where we have something that we're like, yeah, we definitely believe, you know, it's family friendly. We don't want to have the guilt of you not spending time with your family. And so we're willing to sacrifice almost our own family in order for you to go achieve that dream. Even though we don't really have to, I think that, you know, we talk about the lies that business owners tell themselves. That was probably one of the lies that I was telling myself is that I don't know. I've got to be willing to be here till seven or eight. Otherwise, you know, like the jobs won't get done. So my mindset was always, you know, first in last out kind of that sort of thing. And I I think I tricked myself kind of going through this where it's like, I don't want to ask anybody else to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So if I ask someone to be here at six o'clock in the morning, I should be willing to be here at six o'clock in the morning. If I'm asking someone to say till five, six o'clock at night, I should be willing to do that exact same thing. So in my mind, it was always, I need to be an example to others. Mm-hmm. If they see how much I care and how much I work, hopefully some of that rubs off and they can't say, well, you're not doing what I'm doing as well. Right. But that was to the detriment, like you said, of my own family. Right. Because yep. you're not spending time with them. Right. My focus was more on setting an example, right? Or maybe fooling myself that I'm setting an example. Right. Right. More than anything else. And I can tell you that like my first kid, the oldest, I don't think I really saw any sporting events that weren't on Saturdays. Never went to any school functions, never did any of that just because like, uh, you know, I would call it dedication, but I was probably more obsessed with... um, Like borderline workaholic. Yeah. Right. Well, you bit. want the job to be done right, and you want to make yeah. sure it's being done. Yeah. And so you do it yourself. Yes. So there's Even if it takes you till 7 o'clock at night. Right. Well, well, and like at that stage too, I was very heavy in operations, and I always wanted to be number one. And that was probably what drew, drove me more than anything else, was not wanting to be second to anybody. So I was going to spend as much time as it took, regardless of the sacrifice, just because I wasn't going to let anybody beat me. So the competitive part. Yeah, that's a very competitive part. So, um, so my question was just going to be, I mean, like I said, you're very heavy on it with, with your employees and everything else, but is that something that you've always thought, or is that something that like Angeli has an influence on? I mean, kind of, where does that mindset come from? I think it's both, Uh, you know, it's something that I will say is that I learned from my dad right, is that family is most important. So he was always very generous with giving time off and, you know, trying to emphasize, you know, like that balance. You know, the doors here used to be open from six to six and we shifted it earlier 
um, you know, partly because of customer demand, but partly because, you know, it gave us another hour that, you know, in the mo- in the time where we were most active, which is in the evenings. Um, and so I look at that and that probably had a huge influence on it. I know for me, you know, when I do have those nights that I'm working till six or seven, the only voice I hear in the back of my head is like, you need to go home. You need to go home is Ange, you know? And so that influence is also a big deal is like, I know there's people at home that are waiting for you, waiting for me. Um, you know, and, and that influence has come through where we've tried to think about things like, how do we do leave? How do we do medical leave and paternity leave? How do we do vacation policies? Um, you know, we got rid of, I remember when I first took over, we were still doing time clocks and that was one of the first things that I got rid of because, you know, it just didn't encourage that type of ownership mentality where you're responsible for your own time, uh, instead of, uh, you know, micromanaging it to the, did you hit 40 hours this week or not? You know, were you 40 hours productive, that kind of thing. And so we kind of shifted some of those practices to help encourage more, more of that ownership and, and more of that. You're responsible for your time and when you decide to come in, when you decide to go. Yeah, and with that shift, you've also given unlimited PTO yep. to your employees. Like, so what, what, was the, what was the base for that decision? Uh, it was twofold. So one, we had, you know, a lot of longtime employees, you know, we used to do like an award system. So every five years you'd get five days. Well, we had people that were getting to the point they had 40 days and you know, there was almost this mindset of, well, if I don't use them, then I lose them. I'm like, that seems like the wrong mindset to have with vacation, yep. you know, cause there's days like I enjoy working. So maybe I don't need a vacation day. Uh, at the same time we had all these new employees coming in and you know, dad was starting them 10 days, 10 days. That was it. There was no exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. So you're hiring somebody that's been working 20 years at another company and has 40 days of vacation and they got to start over yeah. because they've only started with you for 10 days. So that was one thing that, that caused me to think about it. The other thing was, uh, was actually Netflix. Reed Hastings has a, they have an unlimited PTO policy. Um, and the way he described it, he says, well, you know, we don't have a clothing policy either, but yet nobody shows up naked. <laughs> you know, and yeah. and so it was this idea that we're all adults, we can all be trustworthy. And so I kind of adopted this principle of get the job done, but make sure that you're also taking care of yourself. You know, if you need a day, take a day. Uh, and that's that's actually what we say to each other all the time. If you need a day, take a day. I don't want you to worry about, well, I only have 10 days left and I've got this trip coming up and I want to make sure I save some time for that. And you're having to budget your vacation time. Um, I've seen too many people where... They didn't take enough vacation. They weren't taking enough time away to focus on what matters most, you know, which should in most cases be their family. Uh, if they don't have family, then it's usually something else, some other hobby or passion, but they weren't taking enough time to keep themselves mentally and emotionally healthy. And then what that ended up creating is physical breakdowns, you know, where their work wasn't on par, they were struggling. And so some of it's actually a little bit selfish, um, you know, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to feel like I can go take time off. Uh, because if you don't, you're going to burn out. And then if you burn out, now I'm in the position of I have to have makeup for your work, you know, lost productivity, or you're going to quit and go find something else. And now I got to go hire somebody. And so I, you know, I kind of shifted this as like, we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and that you feel like I'm not worried about 10 days. If I need a day, I take a day. Uh, and then I come back and I'm recharged and I'm ready to hit the ground running and just like I'm excited about work. Right. Uh, but I, you know, we've seen that time and time again where, where people, people ask me all the time, well, how does unlimited PTO work? How do you make that even a thing? 
And uh, we've always seen it where people do unlimited PTO, but then they actually take less PTO. And I'm like, well, you're doing it wrong. Go run a report. Tell me how many days they've taken. Right. And I actually, it's getting here to the, going to be the end of March. I'm going to go to HR and ask them for a report. Tell me all the days that everybody's taken. And I'm going to have them flip the sort so that I see who's taken the fewest days. And then I'm going to talk to their manager and say, remind them there's unlimited PTO. They need to take advantage of it. Right. Um, everybody in the first quarter should have taken probably at least a week. Um, and if you haven't, how are they doing? What's their mental capacity looking like? Are they going to burn out very soon? How is their family doing? Uh, the idea being is that you want to push them like, hey, go make sure you're taking time away. I think there's nothing awesome, more awesome than, I was going to say awesomer. That's not a word. More awesome than you go off on vacation, you kind of disconnect from a little bit, and, and you know, distance makes the heart fonder sometimes, and you come back to work and you're just recharged. Yeah. Um, work itself can be recharging, but I think there's something to be said for spending time with those who matter most. Okay. So I, I would say something different, though, because yeah. in the beginning of our marriage, Josh was going to work full time. And school full-time. Oh, that was rough. And so it well, was Well, and you were just, working full-time. And I was working full-time. Yeah. Two, well, I was working two jobs. And we had a, a baby and then a second baby. And he had those limited amount of vacation times. And yeah. so, like, I needed him to be there with the baby. And he was like, well, I only have this many number of days, right? So you have to decide which days. What's more important. And we didn't have What's any paternity important. leave. And there was no paternity leave. And yeah. so, like, we had a baby that ended up in the NICU and had to stay. And so, well the day you were at the hospital that counted. Right. And then now you don't have any more time for the NICU days. Right. And so when we've had been talking all along, like, okay, when we take over the company, what do we want? We had a notebook of ideas. We did. Huh. It was called RTA's future. And we would write in all the time, like, okay, this is what we want. You know, it's your birthday. You can have the whole day off. Right. It's, you need extra vacation time. Let's do that. Let's have fun you know, Friday lunches or whatever it was, we would write it down. And so he, this has been a thought since, you know, for 10 years. I think what's fun um, too, as I think about it, like, you know, we had this whole notebook going, um, but me taking over RTA was never a sure thing. Like even until the time that dad passed away, I was going to school for my master's because I didn't know if I was actually going to take over the company. Um, you know, like that was not, not a sure thing at all. But we always kind of acted like, all right, you know, no matter what. And we, we kind of had this ownership mentality of if that happens, when it happens, like we're planning for that eventuality. Okay. But it wasn't an eventuality at all. It was more of a, like, if this were to happen, this is what we'd want to happen. And so you talk about risk management. Me going and getting my master's was part of risk management. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that was like, well, let's see how this goes, you know. Uh, but then it ended up playing to our favor, too, because then that helped me when I did finally take over. Uh, and we were able to talk through a lot of things, you know, because as I was going to school, she was right there listening to all the online lectures and hearing all that stuff and helping with homework. And, and so she was almost getting her master's at the same time. But So in this notebook, in the plan, right, was there a plan to rebrand the company? Was fleet success somewhere in that purview? Um, I don't know that the words fleet success were in there, but we always had a problem with the fact that the company always had different names. Like it was RTA <laughs> fleet software, RT, what was the other one? Fleet, fleet management, management services, fleet, ma fleet maintenance management software. Uh, you could come into the building and there was like three different iterations of the logo and the wording, the tagline next to it within five feet of each other. Wow. Okay. You know, like even yeah. coming into this building right here, you'd have the logo at the top. Uh, you had the door sign 
And then once he walked in, like there was the business cards and all three of them said something different. One said services, the other one said fleet maintenance management software, and then the other one just said, uh, you know, fleet management solutions or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what do you think about the fleet success initiative, Angeli? I love it. I love it. Can it you has, say why? I I love it because it already has a positive spin. Like we are here to help you. Right. That's why we're here. We're here to help you be successful because your success is our success. And so just putting it out there in the name already signifies what we want to do for you. We want to help you succeed. I like it. Wow. Well, good. So did you have, so it's been about a year, right? Since we did this whole rebranding, the fleet success company. Has it we really? start, Yeah, it has. We started the podcast. COVID. It shortens all the time frame. <laughs> it's like dog years. Or COVID. We started the podcast, right? We, we just finished the book. I mean, there's a lot of different things that kind of fall under this fleet success purview. And it couldn't be a game changer for people, right? And it, it's that whole success mentality. So if we rewind back to when we were talking about the four pillars and doing all this stuff, I'm sure that Josh would come and talk to you, Angela, about some of these things and what's going on. Was there like anything specific in your mind that you're like, hey, this has got to be a part of this whole initiative you guys are doing? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. We talk a lot. We actually have a weekly a weekly dinner business meeting where we get together every week. It's like date night, I guess for us. And, um, we go out and we take our computers and we go through all of the business information for that week, anything that's coming up. And then we do the same for home. So it's, it's organizing for both, but, right. um, anything that's being talked about at work, any decisions being made, um, Josh will come home and he'll tell me, about all of it. And so we discuss all of it. We talk about it um, constantly. Um, but I'm trying to think if there was anything. I know you, when you guys were making your pillars, uh, he came home and was telling me them. And I was like, no, I don't like the wording on one of them. And I can't right. remember which one it was. Uh, but I remember saying, no, I don't like this wording. You got to go back and change it. But yeah. I can't remember what I it was. I don't remember. Because we went through several iterations. We did. Yeah. With definitions and the pillars, just in yeah. general. Mm -hmm. Right. So even though I'm not in the meetings all the time or here at the office, because I'm at home with all my kids, um, he's constantly, we're constantly talking about and filling in and creating new ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that 50-50 dinner is it's a lot of fun. Because we, we do, we try to spend about 50% of the time talking about work and then 50% of the time talking about home, kids, like just everything that's going on in the organization that is Josh and Angeli Turley. Because this really is like, and you almost have to think about your own personal relationships this way, but they need just as much time and energy and respect and intentionality as any business or any job that you're doing. And a lot of times I don't think we give our relationships as much emphasis as our businesses or as our jobs. Um, and it's been a big deal for us to be able to go out and do these dinners together. Well, and I would agree. Like I, from an outsider's perspective, I think you guys communicate more and more effectively than most couples that I've been around that I've seen. Right. I mean that the, my own experience yeah. included, but it, it's like you're, you are, you really are in lockstep. I like there's times Josh says, well, I need to talk to Ange about that. Or I got to run that by Ange or right. Or he says something that you've said and he brings it up to us. So 
it's very apparent that it's a, it's a team effort, right? And you have the mentality of, Hey, this is our family business. And what I like about it is I don't feel like it's just you two, right? And your immediate kids and that it's the whole company feels like a family. And that's the kind of attitude that you bring to it. Right. And it does feel like a family. In fact, my kids are always so excited to come see Come some to of Dad's their favorite work. people. Dad's yep. pewter work. Got to go to Dad's pewter work. See some of their favorite people. Yep. Okay, so we're we're kind of stretching our time here a little bit. So I just want to ask, and this is a question for both of you. So one answer than the other, right? Is there anything that you think our audience should know about whether it's you as a family, the Turley family, uh, about our mission goals? I mean, just I'm going to leave it so out there in general that you can really say whatever you want. But just make it important to hear about it later. You want me to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. You can think about it. I'm dry. I have a big old blank face. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think like if I were to leave listeners with anything, you know, one of the reasons that we had the idea five minutes ago to bring Angela in, you know, she just happened to be in the office. We're like, hey, come in here. Let's do an episode <laughs> real quick. This is a total surprise episode. Right. <laughs> There's no planning involved. Of course, none of our episodes have any planning. Um, if I were to leave, leave leave anybody with anything, if they want to know more about us, you know, that you can judge somebody by their fruits. And I think, you know, when you talk about when you interact with our company, when you interact with anybody that you work here, it's a reflection ultimately of our family. Um, It's a lot different than when you deal with companies that are owned by stockholders or private equity or anything like that. It's, it really becomes an extension of yourself. And so one of the things that we try to inject the company with is a soul, it's spirit, it's, you know, it's life and heart and all that and all the fun stuff with that. And I think that's what really sets us apart. It's what makes us different than a lot of companies that are out there. Um, you know, because we aren't owned by anybody else. It's just us. Um, it's just us. And so it's our commitment, right? It's our family and yeah. our commitment. And the only thing that's going to make it grow and be successful is the work that we put into it and the people that we have working with us. Great answer. Was that, was that it? That's all you're going to add, though? You're not going to add anything else? Well, he said so much good stuff. Angela, Mine was commitment. Angela, talk about how much you love your family. I'm not talking about your, like, your husband or your kids, but let's talk about like your favorite sibling and how much you really care about that person. Amy's oh. pretty special. Oh, ouch. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so if y'all didn't pick up on it, Angela is my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not not the favorite you're sibling, though, but that's okay. My favorite. My favorite sibling. It's on record for posterity now. You're my favorite sibling. Thank you, Angela. It's only because he shot you with a BB gun. He shot me in the butt with a BB gun. That's I shot a lot of people with a BB gun, so I don't even remember. He doesn't. <laughs> All right, folks. That's going to wrap up the episode. Angela, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for jo- having me. Josh, thank you for letting me take over your hosting duties. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Um... Do not forget Fleet Success Summit coming up in April in Mesa. This is going to be the shit, guys. So you want to attend. You don't want to miss it. You can enter the code PODCAST to get a discount if you go sign up for the Fleet Success Summit. And with that, have a great week. Thank you. Hasta. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Fleet Success Show. If you liked our show, we'd appreciate your five-star review. Be sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and come hang out with us anywhere on social media at Fleet Success. See you next time.